Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you all here this morning. And we've been talking about memories and remembering. Um, And in my loft, there is one box that I would have to take with me if I had to evacuate my house. There is absolutely nothing in it of value. There's Bun Bun, a pink and blue plastic rabbit with no ears that I was told was my very first toy. There's an exercise book from when I was in the infants. There's a badge from my school blazer. There's a college scarf, hockey trophies. And I'm sure many of you have similar things which evoke memories in your house. But I wonder if we could step back in time to this day in 1914, take a walk up Dean Lane and knock on the door of number 48. This is the home of Alice Bateman. And I wonder what items she would show us that would bring back memories for her. Perhaps there's a sepia photograph taken on her wedding day when she married Fred Bateman, Sunday school superintendent of this church. Although by 1914, Alice had been a widow for seven years and she had five children to care for. Perhaps she'd show us a hair ribbon or a child's toy that was the favourite of little Annie, the daughter who died when she was only five years old. Move on to 1916. Alice would have more to show us. Perhaps a photograph of her son, Herbert, looking a little self-conscious in a uniform that's slightly too big for him. Perhaps some letters written by Herbert telling her of his life in the army, the friends he'd made, his first experience of life in the trenches, although maybe not too much detail, as sometimes you don't tell your mother everything. Perhaps there's another envelope, a telegram from the war office. We deeply regret to inform you that Private 26757 H. Bateman, 8th Battalion, East Lancashire Regiment, was killed in action on the 7th of August, 1916. Perhaps Alice would show us another letter, this time a handwritten one, postmarked somewhere in the Arras region of France. Dear Mrs. Bateman, it is my sad duty to inform you that your son Herbert was killed in action on the 7th of August. He was a very promising youth, and although of a quiet and retiring disposition, he was universally esteemed. My sincere condolences to you and your family, and it will be signed by the second lieutenant in command of Herbert's section. Herbert Bateman was 19 years old. His name is recorded here on the Arras Memorial, one of 34,000 British and Commonwealth soldiers killed in the Arras sector for whom there is no known grave. And what of, and what of Alice? Did she say with the hymn writer, For I know whate'er befall me, Jesus doeth all things well. Or did she inwardly rage against the God who had failed to protect her son? We will never know. Did this church provide help and comfort to her? And in turn, 
was she able to comfort her neighbours at number 38 Farmers Grove when their son Wilfred Faber was killed in September 1917. I hope she did. The certainty is that for Alice Bateman and the families of all those whose names are read out each Remembrance Sunday, things will never be the same again. When Herbert died, Alice lost a son. Ernest, Alice, Nellie and Edward lost a brother. But the wider community was also affected because this church lost a Sunday school teacher and the Lum Baptist Old Folks Treat Committee lost its treasurer. Because death changes everything. But there is another death which changes everything. Not a soldier this time, although he was executed by a military power. And it is, of course, the death of Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. Why is this death so significant? If you remember the Christmas story, when Joseph was debating what to do about Mary, who was pregnant, the angel of the Lord comes to him and tells him that Mary will have a son. And he says this, You are to give him the name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And Benny will still say, I don't see how that is relevant to me in this day and age. And firstly, we need to understand the enormity of sin as far as God is concerned. As we think about the events this year, leading, which led up to the start of World War I, and look at subsequent conflicts, it's easy to see evil in the world. You only have to turn on the news to see injustice, violence, oppression, corruption. And we have to admit that all is not right with the world. But in the Bible, sin is not just seen as a vague, general thing that applies to the world. It's also personal. There are five main Greek words translated in our New Testament as sin. One of them we also translate as trespass or transgression, the stepping over of a known boundary. And all parents know the importance of establishing boundaries for their children and of having clearly laid down consequences for overstepping those boundaries. We have examples from the events leading to World War I. Germany crossed the borders of Belgium, refused to respond to Britain's request to leave, and Britain was at war with Germany. The consequence was the first truly global conflict the world had seen, the effects of which would change the political and social history of this nation. And we have rebelled against God by crossing his boundaries. And we've all done it. The things we have done and the things we've left undone, as we say in the prayer of general confession. And the consequence for crossing God's boundaries, in Romans 6 it says this, the wages of sin 
is death. Not just physical death, but spiritual. Separation from God, who is the source of life. There is now a barrier between us and God. But this is where the death of Jesus changes everything. Jesus himself outlined his mission here on earth in Mark chapter 10, where he says this, For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and this is the key bit, and to give his life as a ransom for many. John in his gospel says, says this, This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And when Jesus died, he took our place and paid the penalty for sin so that we can have our relationship with God restored. Now that is possibly a gross oversimplification of the mystery of what we Christians call salvation. And we're not too keen on the idea of sacrifice, are we? get a bit squeamish when we talk about that. But yet we talk about sacrifice when we talk about remembering the war dead. War brings examples of men prepared to sacrifice their lives to allow their comrades to escape. Charles Bateman, a member of the Sunday school here, enlisted in September 1914. He was mentioned in dispatches for being prepared to risk his life, assisting in the rescue under fire of a wounded comrade stranded in no man's land. Albert Bradley was awarded the Military Medal for Bravery. It was presented posthumously to his father at the town hall in Rotterdam. And we often find these words on war memorials. Greater love has no man than this. Which is, of course, is a quote from John's Gospel. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. But God goes one step more. He goes further still. It says in this verse, you see, just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. Again, this is the key bit, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So the great divide between God and man can be healed, the barrier removed. We can be reconciled to God and the lost relationship can be restored. And we have this verse in Corinthians. And the key bit is that God was was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. And so things can never be the same again, because reconciliation brings forgiveness 
freedom from the sins which hold us down, removal of guilt, and peace with God. But it goes further still. Remember, we said, the wages of sin is death. There's a but, as many of you know. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And this is new life that begins now. For reconciliation is not just between man and God. Those who claim to be followers of Christ are called to be lantern bearers in the darkness of this world. We are called to be peacemakers, to stand against injustice and oppression. And the words we say in the act of penitence, where we pray for those who continue to suffer because of war, remember them. We ask God to grant healing, strength and consolation. And we pray, let it be mediated wherever possible through us. But just as sin is personal, so salvation is personal. This is the offer that God puts on the table, as it were. But it's up to the individual whether they accept it or not. You must admit that you need a saviour. You must believe that Jesus died for you. And commit your life to him. And if you do this, you will find, as countless others have, that the death of Jesus Christ changes everything. And things will never be the same again. Amen.